Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome, one and all, uh, to whatever pink and channel you happen to be on at this moment in time. Uh, we're here to to react to that Stuart Weber interview that, of course, went out live uh, this morning on Norwich City's official club channels. Uh, worth noting straight away, I think, as already the Radio Norfolk boys have said, I think it's probably worth us adding as well. We did ask to speak to Stuart Weber. Those requests were uh, either ignored or turned down, whichever way you, you, you want to look at it. So um, worth getting that in straight off the bat. But, um, I mean... Also, before I kind of go to Pad and we speak about our opinions on it, we want to know your opinions on it as well. I'm sure a lot of you would have watched it. 33 minutes in total. We'll delve into the various topics that he spoke about and some that he didn't and, and wasn't asked about, um, perhaps more pertinently. But we want to hear your comments and your thoughts on it as well. Uh, you should be able to post a comment um, on whatever channel you are on. We will uh, flash some of those up on the screen as we're going through. We may well touch on a few of them as well. Of course, if you have any questions for us, on it we'd be happy to take those and we'll answer them where we can um but uh yeah let's let's see how we go so paddy i'll, I'll throw over to you really because um i mean we're going to ask we're going to be asking people what they made of it what did you make of it we've both watched it in full now just can't I, yeah just because um i've probably one of the last people to actually watch it because uh, when it when it all broke um had to pivot towards actually getting something up on our digital channel so but that was an interesting dynamic because I'm doing that and very swiftly once the interview had been pushed out there, the, the social media commentary, um, all the elements that you can probably imagine were getting highlighted, flagged, um, particularly the, the sort of early part of that interview when, uh, you know, the, the fans and, and the local media perhaps had already made their decisions uh, that the season or the game was up. Um, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but... No, that didn't go down very well, did it? And uh, and then on and on um, through various other strands of that interview. So having had that as my first exposure to it, and then when I'm only in the last sort of 35, 40 minutes sat and listened to the full, watched the full 33 minutes, um, yes, those elements are in there, but, you know, he was in a very reflective mood. But, uh, you know, as I can see already with the comments coming through, you know, there, there was some areas there that either were not covered at all or very cursorily and and um i'm not trying to suggest that you know it would have been a radically different interview but if we had been in the room you can guarantee we would have come back at him on on quite a few of those points so it is what it is we don't need to get into that for this debate but uh yeah a lot of what he said for me um you could take on board and you could understand it if you kind of dial down the frustration and the, and the anger in some quarters. He talks about 20 people or whatever it was with a bedsheet, um, a minority. Um, you can debate that. But I think there's a much wider feeling among the Norwich fan base of disconnection, disenchantment, frustration. Um, and it would have been good to explore that in a bit more depth, really. But, um, you know, the whole element, again, revisited about the, the Times interview and specifically, you know, his his outside interests now. We thought at the time, when we said it at the time, you know, that for us is is neither here nor there in terms of his ability to do the job he does. Um, so, so I certainly wouldn't take issue with anything on that aspect. But, you know, fundamentally, uh, for me, it was two areas, really. We didn't really get anything in terms of the recruitment last summer beyond, you know, he thought it was all right and that they had to spread their resource thinly, which a lot of people have interpreted now as, you know, him or him almost talking up the limitations of the self-funded model, certainly at Premier League level. But you'd have, you'd have wanted to go far more forensically into to the recruitment. Why was it so poor? You know, what were the challenges they faced last summer? Um, why did they, you know, 
go so far down the path for a Christopher Iyer or maybe even a Philip Billing um, and, and then turn out again. So I, I think that, because fundamentally, I think most fans, if you look at it and say, what's gone wrong this season on the pitch, they would start as their starting point, the recruitment last summer. So that was an area that wasn't covered in any great depth for me. And then the other one, we don't know if he's staying, you know, beyond his uh, end of his current contract. There was nothing on his future. And, and I think that is important because there were reports after relegation was confirmed that that rolling deal, which had been verbally agreed, was yet to be signed. We're no, we're no further down that path of knowing if that's been signed, sealed, and he's on board for the next phase. Um, you know, we talked in more ephemeral terms about at terms about the future and and bringing people back together and and, to, and, and the season ticket update and, and learning lessons. We heard all those sound bites as we did two seasons ago at this stage. But is he going to be the man at the helm? And, and for me, they were the two glaring elements of of that interview. I mean, I'll throw it back to you, Connor. What was your initial impressions? I, I think it's it's really important that people at football clubs, politicians, people at top of businesses, people who put themselves in leadership positions and are paid a great deal of money to be in leadership positions, it's very important that they are accountable and available for scrutiny, um, irrespective of how a, a season, how a... Uh, business year has looked how a financial year has looked if you if you want to use uh, business terms because everyone should be should be able to scrutinize decisions of people in power it's a, a really important part of de- democracy more widely but certainly football as well because particularly in the modern game I think those feelings of disconnect you, that you speak about can probably be stretched out and looked at on a wider basis I think there are a lot of people who support Premier League football clubs at this moment in time maybe not just Premier League football clubs maybe others as well who feel quite detached from the way that modern football is going and so to then decline to speak to local media and it's it, let, let's let's be honest and open about it it's not a great shock that that we weren't there we weren't probably expecting to be there but for radio norfolk for the athletic for other people not to be there in the room not to have an uh a round table i suppose like he has done in the past with the other relegation where he, he did take responsibility and we were able to put questions to him about the shortcomings i i think Ultimately, whatever he said in this interview, that was always going to go down well, because uh, not well, sorry, because if you work for Norwich City, and we've already seen this with kind of the BK8 saga, they project themselves to be a different type of club, a club that is that does speak about its model a lot, one that is very community focused and looks into the community and wants to be a part of the community. And, um, you know, we've said it before, if you're not speaking to local media about stuff, then you aren't speaking to fans about stuff, not really, um, and that that's that's a shame from from my perspective, um, because those people should always be available for scrutiny, whether they agree with organisations or not, whether they agree with with stuff that's been written or not. Um, so that's one aspect that I would say. On on the flip side, I think it's it's probably the most in depth bit of media that we've seen from one of the relegated clubs. I'm not sure Watford or, or Burnley have had someone uh, a senior figure speak up in in the same way. So. Um, that's worth bearing in mind as well. So I have a lot of feelings and, uh, and thoughts on it and, and we'll get into the contents at the moment. But um, the way it was presented for me never really felt like it was going to win people over. And I mean, looking at the comments and, uh, and maybe that's the case as well. And that's not a criticism of, of Alice Piper, by the way, who I think is very good at her job and, and did ask some very good questions in the in the video as well. But um, it's probably not a good situation to be in when you've got someone who is speaking 
to the the, the organisation that they work for, really, because you don't get the same level of scrutiny as we've spoken about. You don't get the the issues um, that maybe should have been touched upon. They weren't touched upon. Um, and that would be my kind of issue with it, really, because if you're at the top of an organisation, you have to be accountable. It's really important, I think, um, because if not, then how do you learn from mistakes and how do you learn from errors? But there we go. Um, let's let's start at the beginning then, Pad, because he, sp- he started the interview by speaking a lot about luck and pre-season and obviously the COVID outbreak inside the club and how maybe fixtures hadn't fallen in the right way. He then um, went on to say that he felt the fans gave up a little bit too easily. He he, he said, uh, and I think the, I'll get it in front of me, so I've got the exact quote, um, that the local media were um, went after us too quickly. That's 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 what he said. Um so if we if we start there and we'll kind of move through it chronologically, but do you, do you agree with those assessments about luck and preseason? Because I think a lot of it, certainly around the COVID issues, which we reported at the time, a lot of that you could construct into a into a fair argument. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. That's that's factual, and of course the the hellishly difficult Premier League fixture compiler didn't do many favors either. Um, but I, I just don't don't accept that. Whatever the whatever the volume of the of the of that two constituencies he's referring to, be it fans or local media, gave up uh, to paraphrase him, I find, I find that bizarre. Um, and, and when and, and I'm I'm going to basically make it quite clear when when if now and the rest of this broadcast when we're talking about local media, all I'm interested in is us and what we do. Um, you know, I don't want a broad brush approach to. What any of the other op- op- operations out there uh, do or don't do for us, I can categorically deny that there was any giving up, there was any negative tone to our coverage in those early. Oh, parts oh, sorry of the to jump in, Pad, but I, I remember writing a piece in defence of the Talk Sport stuff, for example, on Jamie O'Hara on why the yeah. model of Norwich City Football Club was so important, and and probably still believe this to an extent why it's important that there could be a self-funding club in the Premier League so I mean to say that that maybe we were out to get them or the fans gave up I'm not sure that that's in touch with probably how it was in reality wouldn't disagree wouldn't disagree and and, and way beyond that point as well if I'm honest I mean all the way through the the Farker replaced by Smith cycle then the upturn under Smith initially then the upturn again early in the new year I remember you know the Everton Watford that where was where was the giving up there from us when, when, when we're talking about local media so you know, our job ultimately should be to, you know, whether we're local media or whether you were the national media, is is to scrutinise, to hold to account. You're talking about accountability from from the club's aspect. Our role is to, you know, be balanced, try and be fair, but also critical. And fundamentally, and he's the figurehead for this, they've got it badly wrong again this 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 season. And and that's not a subjective statement. Look at the league table. Look how many games your team won. Look how many defeats. Look how many goals you conceded. Look at your goal difference. Diabolical. And and he ultimately has to carry the can for that. Um, and yes, within that, of course, you would accept, as he did again today, that there are limitations to the self-funded model. And, and maybe that's that's a that's a broad, broader, more philosophical debate. But even within the limitations, and it comes back to recruitment, you spent upwards of 50 million, north of 50 million. That wasn't the limitations of the self-funded model. That was the limitations of you and your recruitment department um, and the player that you bought, which were palpably. And again, I mean, he did again make the point that you know they have to to buy players with a potential to develop and and become 
fully formed Amy Buendia being, being a prime example. But you still would have thought they would have been able to buy players and source players last summer who were able to be far more um, up to speed with what was required for the Premier League. Otherwise, what's the point in the recruitment? You know, it's, it's no good to have, have, have got your, your recruitment last summer right for this summer back in the Championship. It needed to be right for the Premier League. So, you know, fundamentally... Um, we would refute in the strongest possible terms that we we gave up, gave up in the sense that you know we we'd wrote them off and were producing output of the you referenced them the talk sport kind of genre, um, almost sneeringly dismissive, treating Norwich as a joke entity. No way, at no point could we be accused of that. And you know we're talking a lot here about us and the local media more broadly, but but put that to the side. The more the more damning. Uh, suggestion there is your fan base gave up. Um, I don't see that at all. I don't see that at all. I mean, he did again in the interest of balance to go on to talk about how brilliant the fan base is and about the season ticket update uptake again for next season and the support they had at Leicester after relegation had been confirmed. But you said all those things, but also at the start of that interview, you also said that elements of your fan base gave up. So, you know, which one is it ultimately? So, yeah, I, I, I didn't. I don't think that's, you know, of all the things that he came out with in that interview, um, I, I think that early hook is probably where a lot of fans and probably us in the in, in, in our part of the media would take issue with him, ultimately. Yeah, there was there was also, whilst we're on kind of the subjects of fans, he, he said later on, and, you, and you're right, he did praise them and, uh, and season ticket figures. We haven't actually been given those figures. Uh, we have asked in the past and they haven't been forthcoming. So, um there we go. We were told they were, they were strong at one stage. Um, in, in fairness, um, there was two lines in particular. Uh, they were, well, one they line. were strong in League One, Connor. They were they were strong in League One. So yes, that's 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 bit of context. You know, Norwich's fan base through thick and thin, very thin when they were in but League he, One. Will, is, will is, support the football club. It's is, not it, it's not an endorsement of what's gone on this season, is it? Or the regime? Let's be honest. Exactly that. That that's exactly my point. I was going to make is that the best way to assess whether fans are happy or whether they're not. Because I think in reality, the ones that we speak to and we speak to plenty every single day, we speak to them on social media, we speak to them in person. When you walk around Carrow Road, they come up and, and speak to us. I don't think I've spoke to one who's very content with the way things are going. And, and that's 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 right. That's proper in a relegation. But I mean, even in, in these comments, we're seeing words like disconnect again. There was a statement that he used in, in the in the in the uh, interview that said um, that the majority of fans stayed behind after the after the Spurs game to applaud the team off. That's I mean, we were both at Carrow Road. I think it's probably fair to say that that's not based in reality either. And and, and there was also a smattering of boos as they as they approached the Barkley as well. So. To, and this is for me to go back historically because um, we could sit here again and and talk about all the brilliant work that Stuart Webber has done at Norwich City and he, and he has and and the training ground improvements are mega the club from from where it was when he inherited it is in a much healthier position financially that's that's all fine but I think throughout these interviews when he's when he's come through a lot of fans have taken issue with these constant pop at supporters, even though he did go on to talk about how great they are and how brilliant they are and how strong the attendances are and, um, and and how important they are to the club. But those digs, particularly when, you've, when you're when you in charge of a team that's just got relegated 16 points behind the team that finished fourth from bottom in the Premier League on 22 points, doesn't really feel like the best way to approach it from a PR perspective. No, but again, this is where... I'll stop short of saying would defend Stuart Webber, but uh, but 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 
his behaviour in terms of how he carries himself in the media and what he says and how he says it and the tone of it, he's been absolutely consistent. How he was today and what he said was how he was when he walked through the door in 2017. And, and actually, I pulled out the quote. You know, his actual quote was, and it was off the back of a question about the Times interview and maybe would he regret some of the things he said in that, that, that he said, quote, I'm authentic. People in my role don't talk. He's right about that. They certainly don't talk in as forthright a ma- manner as he does. And, and certainly in that early phase when the club was on its knees, that was refreshing and that was energising and, and that lifted a club that needed to be lifted at that point. Um, but as he says, I'm not here to appease people. And, and I don't think he, 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 anybody would say that he certainly um, is a conciliatory uh, individual when, when he's asked a question in a, a setting like an interview. And so for me, that it's not so much his manner or how he carries himself, because that is him. That's what he's all about. And he's right. You know, um, it's very, I mean, I can only talk from my experience of, basically since the Paul Lambert, David McNally era onwards have been in and around that football club. And and he is unique in terms of a figurehead, which is essentially what he is. We know Delia and Michael are the owners, majority shareholders, but they are day-to-day very hands-off. Um, and and for somebody in his position, there's been nobody like him at Norwich in, in the period that I've been covering the club. And, and refreshingly so, as I say, very, very honest uh, and open. Um, and people don't like that. They, they won't like it. But, you know, ultimately, um, you know, I think you could also probably look at the situation, look where the club is, look where it was, you know, again, repeating the same errors, in it feels, in terms of two seasons ago, uh, and maybe show a little bit more, shall we say, empathy uh, and understanding of how that fan base are feeling rather than, you know, it's a minority um, with a bed sheet and, and look at the season ticket uptake and that everything's okay. It clearly isn't. That That isn't the case. And we see some of the comments here, people saying they've renewed, but you know, now, now seriously considering whether that was the right call or not, there is a general feeling amongst Norwich's fan base. And, and it's not people racing around to the back of the city stand after a game, um, you know, to protest, but there is and. I don't want to bring Dean Smith too much into this directly, but he talked about apathy and how he couldn't see that. It feels like there is an apathy and there is a a disenchantment and a, and a disinterest. And that that is a worrying development, really, because, you know, as he rightly said, there will be a full house for the first game next season. But what happens if after 10 or 15 games, they're listing pretty badly and, and there's no real palpable sign that things are going to be Certainly on a, on a par with the two previous championship seasons, where you know they were fully fully plugged into to competing at the right end of the table. Do we do we think that that season ticket fan base are going to be happy? Far from it. I I wrote about it the other day. For me, it feels like the patience is way for thin now, and it wouldn't take much to tip it the other way at the start of next season um, if there's nothing discernibly different around the club on or off the pitch. Yeah, absolutely, and I would I would pick up on it on a few points. There is is that what they're basing success off? Is is success based out on really strong season ticket sales? Because if that's the case, then they need to come out and, and communicate that. And obviously, that's very important for the self funding model from a financial perspective. Um, but also, like you say, I don't think it's the best gauge of well, they're they're still coming, so I think they're still happy. 
actually, you, you look at a lot of games this season, particularly the last three home games, Carrow Road was near empty by the time the final whistle went, really. Are we really saying that that's a, a happy fan base? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that anyone can credibly can credibly say that with 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 all seriousness. And um, there certainly was, and he, he is right. There there certainly was fans that stayed behind and did applaud after the Spurs game. But on the flip side, for balance, I, I would say the majority of them certainly didn't. Um, so 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 there's so there's that aspect of it. Um, it's 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 all very interesting, Pav, because I think there was always going to be an element because of what you've described there with his personality, regardless of when he was going to come out and speak and who he was going to speak to, there was going to be an element of what he said that people didn't, didn't like, right. That's, that's natural. And it's probably true after a a relegation. Um, I suppose we, we've kind of seen the fan reaction from it. So I'm kind of leaning into this question a little bit, but do you think what he said there is, is going to be enough now to draw a line under it and, uh, and move on? Do you think he's added, fuel to the to, to the fire i suppose it's probably more of a question for for other people now is has he answered the, the the questions that that needed answering i mean for example we spoke about the recruitment very briefly but if we touch on it again um he described it as all right what what does all right mean in the grand scheme of things we, we're not sure um but also he wasn't asked about the comments that he made last summer about the various uh, a, a tank of bazooka and whatever he said um he wasn't asked about that. He still felt that they, this squad had plenty enough under its bonnet when he departed with Dan, Daniel Farker's company. That's why he ultimately made that decision. So how, how do you think fans will digest this interview? Obviously, there's a lot of emotional responses right now, understandably so. But in the days and weeks ahead, is this going to be enough to draw a line under this season and, and move on? Or, or, or do you think actually he's probably poured a little bit of fuel on the fire? Well, again, I mean, we're only, when did it drop? Probably two hours after the initial sort of video. So it's probably unwise to draw hard and fast conclusions, but it doesn't feel, um, you know, that it that it's particularly placated a fan base, certainly on, on here, um, on this broadcast. You know, the tone of, of most of the comments are pretty critical, um, pretty fed up, I would say. Um, so it doesn't feel like, that but but ultimately um i think whether you 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 were happy with what you heard whether you were not happy whether you uh can kind of understand the 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 elements around the limitations of of the model perhaps and and you know trying to bridge that divide it whether you accept that as mitigation or you don't actually the fact that now that is that, that is out there that that piece of content and people can can Take it on its merits or dismiss it wherever you you sit on the spectrum. It's it's done now. That for me is the line because he's not going to come out and do any other media. I think that's pretty clear to say. Um, looking backwards uh, anytime soon, so that's essentially for me right. That's that season now, packaged, done and dusted. So you're saying, can it help? I, I think what needs to happen now is is action. It needs to be, and, and he touched on possibly the limitations to what they can do in the window uh, with Dean Smith. It did really chime with what Dean Smith has been saying about he feels he's got the majority of a squad who are good enough and it won't be wholesale changes. And, and I think Stuart Webber even talked in terms of, you know, they could do a couple of bits of business and anything beyond that would be dependent on outs. Um, so that doesn't lead you to think it's going to be wholesale, but irrespective of the scale of the, I, I think for me now it's what this window looks like off the back of, let's be honest, a very, very poor window 12 months ago. So it's it's the signals that this is going to be different and, and that the, the grade of player 
albeit for the Championship as opposed to the Premier League. But the glaring deficiencies in that squad, which Dean Smith has touched on, particularly in the midfield areas, with and without the ball, they address that in the window. Um, and then, for me, that's the first stage in moving moving the dial and looking forward. But um, but it doesn't feel that that interview, that the topics that were covered, um, the, the what he had to say is necessarily going to assuage people who are who are frustrated and um, fed up with it. So I think it's going to be actions from here on. And there was obviously a little tease about some exciting announcements in two or three weeks that would help grow the football club. Um, I think we'll be all interested to, to, to hear what they are. And, uh, you know, that suggests uh, it could be things that could engender a bit of optimism. Uh, I have my own theories, but we'll keep them under our sleeves, Connor, for a few more days. Good idea. Good idea. Um, yeah, on, on, on the transfer window, I mean, it was it was interesting. He, he kind of said that there wasn't a lot of money floating around, but um, which again is is kind of at odds with what we've been told in terms of the club being in the strongest financial position since he's been in charge of the club. There is, of course, still that that kind of COVID stuff in the background, which um, will will persist for a, li- for a little while yet, of course. Uh, and you have to take that into account. And also the, the drop in revenue from the Premier League money to the Championship, for example, that is absolutely massive. It's why they're called parachute payments, because it is off a cliff edge, uh, essentially. So that's worth bearing in mind as well. Um, he also said that he felt that, that it would be based a little bit on outgoings. And I think we've already reported about Max Aaron's Milo Rashica, um Grant Hanley, uh, Tim Krull as well, Timu Puki are, are probably players you would put in that persuasion. Um, he he also said as well that there were pre- there was Premier League interest in in some of the players, um, which was which was interesting as well in itself. Um, and then there was a, an interesting bit on kind of the the Times interview and and realigning maybe or some would argue maybe completely changing the context of obviously that ninety percent quote, which I mean we spoke about at length on the podcast after the Newcastle game and we spoke about that, the fact that that was taken out of context. Um, so anyone who's, who's maybe after a little little bit of balance from us can go and check that out and uh, they'll, they'll certainly see our, our thoughts on that then. So we don't need to cover reground, but he did he did go over that Times interview and, and spoke about his personal life and obviously this this kind of pursuit to climb Everest, um, which he's obviously doing for for charity. Also got a little plug in there for his uh, for his podcast, which was which was nice. Um what what did you make of his comments around that? Do do you feel that that he he covered that point off as well? Because obviously that has been thrown at him. He has context or no context become known as the ninety percent man, rightly or wrongly. Well, wrongly. I mean, and we as yeah. you rightly say, Connor. We we at the outset, you know, that was the Newcastle weekend. We did a we did a podcast on on the on, the, on that night, and the, and we basically said, you know, that was. Um, completely at odds with what he is, which is a workaholic. And, um, you know, I don't really, on on this whole, to put a label on it, Everest thing, I, I, I just don't have any issue with it. I, but it, but it, the way it was p- portrayed and, and he's talking about taking out of context, well, go and have a look at the headlines that were on the Times article. You know, it wasn't taken out of context by any other media. Um, you know, they, the, they, they who put that interview together have um, pulled out those, those quotes, which were, seized upon you know as an indication that is is no longer committed and, and he again he addressed that today you know that, that that simply isn't the case but again going back to what i said about maybe taking a step back and, and not compromising who you are and your personality and how you conduct yourself but just maybe take take the temperature and, and see what the situation is and the backdrop that those comments could be 
filtered through and perceived and, 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 and in his view taken out of context you know and if he had and I'm pretty sure he, he would would have you know maybe gone down that route but no I thought I mean as I say for me it's complete red herring I wouldn't I wouldn't buy into it too much but in terms of the you know his, his suitability to do the job he's doing but um I think he, it, 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 the context he added today did did open that up, um, you know, to, to sort of maybe closing the door on that, and that that yeah. you know it isn't a case that you know he's knocking off at R three Monday to Friday, and uh, you know he's not there on a Saturday or Sunday. I, I think um, you know if anybody had any, any doubts, just go and listen to, back to that passage uh, of his interview today. Yes, absolutely, and and on that side of things, I thought what he said was was very good. Again, to 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 go to go with the balance point, I think what he did say and how he did clear that up was, was very good. I think Paddy's negotiating so he doesn't get kicked out of the room here, which is going to be quite entertaining to watch. Um, but yeah, for, for, from my perspective, I'm, I'm with Paddy on that. I think we we said uh, in that podcast at the time, which is freely available, you can go and listen to it. Um, we gave our thoughts on, on that interview the night that it, well, 24 hours after it dropped and we spoke about the context of it. But ultimately, unless you're Stuart Webber or Henry Winter, it's very difficult to fully know the context around it. But I think we both agreed that that, that was the case. He spoke a, uh, a little bit about criticism as well, um, not just from local media or from national media, from from fans as well. He, he spoke about uh, some, some of the protests that have been happening outside the, the main entrance after games. Of course, there have been um, a minority, I think it's right to say that, a minority, a minority of people with banners, there was a uh, the snake pit attempted to get a "We Want Weber Out" chant going on on Sunday. It didn't it didn't catch on, um, but it was still loud enough for for us to hear in in, in the press box a little bit um, along from from where we were. Uh, he, he again spoke about building for the long term, building the club for the long term, um, which we know he's he's big on the the infinite game, and he has a very philosophical outlook on football, on life. That's just the type of character he is, and, and maybe there is a. Um, element of I don't know maybe not everyone sees life with through the same lens as him and that's absolutely fine um and maybe that's why it makes it difficult at times to understand the directness and honesty behind his his words um so so I I, I found that all very interesting I mean, is there is there anything else Pat in terms of stuff that you you really found in interesting that, that you want to bring up at this stage if not then we'll we'll probably um We'll probably go to some comments and uh, and questions. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, all I would add is that you know that's certainly the first time I've and again, you know, and I don't having having him felt that things have been taken out of context and twisted. I, I don't want to put a, a different slant on on some of the comments given we, we were not in the room. Um, but it did feel that you know, particularly around the recruitment element and and that golf and bridging that divide. That was the sort of first time I kind of heard him almost talk about you know there are limitations, you know, however good. I mean, I think it's one of his opening answers was everything has to go right for Norwich with this model to stay in the Premier League, off the pitch, on the pitch, uh, in games, um, look in other areas as well. Everything optimises to be completely right. Otherwise, you know, he's more or less suggesting that, you know, the, the model won't allow them uh, to to stay up as a result. And, and then with the recruitment, you know, that that they had that money, um, they had to spread it thinly. Um and even even the you know, again that, he, that was that been... was a choice though, wasn't it, Paddy, in terms of <laughs> them spreading it thinly, because they could have opted to sign fewer players for, for bigger money and bigger and bigger wages. It was a, well, yeah, a footballing choice. They, yeah, it, it comes back to 
not so much did they spend money, but how they spent it ultimately. And I don't think, as we said earlier, I don't think you can lay that at the door of the model itself. Um, but then again, and he's reiterated this, that I think he said, you know, when I go into board meetings, I I don't want to be a kind of gamble it all, put all the chips on the table just to stay up this season. And then the club isn't in a good state season two, season three. I go into board meetings if they want that type of man. I've told them that's not me. So again, you know, that kind of mid to longer term sustainable strategy. I mean, I, actually, I've pulled out the quote and I'm just, just looking at it again. The toughest part of the job is balancing the ambition to want to be in the Premier League with the sustainability that we still, if we make mistakes, we could go bust, basically. Um, so essentially, that for me is is the nub of it, you know, that we still have a football club, sorry, with the sustainability that we still have a football club. If they make mistakes in this model, the club can go bust. So he's essentially saying the self-funded model is is a is a football equivalent of a tightrope, certainly when you get to the Premier League. And while that probably we knew that to be the case, I don't I can't honestly recall him given his position within the self-funded model coming out and talking quite in those terms. You know what? It was a very different tone to again, albeit we were present two summers ago at this stage, relegation confirmed, we've gone down to Colney, and then it was Blame me. Don't blame Daniel. I got things wrong. The book stops with me. It's all on my shoulders. This time around, it's more don't blame me. Don't blame one individual. Um, it's it's almost the limitations of how we're trying to do it and, and how we're trying to bridge the divide. Uh, and that, I thought, was a different tone. So, so for me, that was probably... The most interesting, one of the most interesting takeaways, really, was it was it a realization that the way Norwich are trying to exist doesn't work in the Premier League? I think I'm kind of with you. It kind of felt like he touched around that subject without really maybe directly saying that, but it it did kind of feel like. Uh, I mean, he gave the Chelsea example again, which I think we've we've heard him using in the past about bringing on um, Lukaku and I can't remember who the other one was, but but two world class players and Norwich were bringing on. Yeah. That's it. it and, yeah. and, and they were bringing on John Rowe. And that's kind of the, yeah. the I mean, it's a very extreme example, but you could use it really at every level in, in terms of. Well, he uh, talked, I mean, sorry, Connor, he talked, yeah, he also in that section, he talked about Sunday and, and Tottenham, and he said they had, in every position, in his view, a world class player. And quite clearly, you know, Norwich and, and nowhere near that. So the gulf is vast, absolutely cavernous. But, um, yeah, yeah. Fundamentally, uh, I think we know all that. We we know all the limitations, but th- there is still that sense that even within within limitations, even within everything has to go right. Did they maximise? Did they optimise what they had to play with last summer in, in the market? They, 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 they didn't. Naming one of those players in that summer intake. Who, who left the sort one of those players. And I know that was the Championship and this was the Premier League and the, the, the tariff is a lot higher. But still, you know, to get the recruitment wrong to that level where none of those players could step forward and really improve that 11 at Premier League level, fundamentally, it it's not the money that was spent, it's how you spent that money. Yes, indeed. Um 
all, all, all very interesting. I think particularly when you kind of look at the challenge that Norwich City have ahead of them, which is back in the championship, trying to get themselves promoted again. And to be fair, very few sporting directors in football have a better CV at championship level than than Stuart Webber. So uh, as he, uh, I think he, he, he used this term, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he said it's an environment that we're used to having success in. Uh, and that feels like that could maybe be a major reason why that transition and that shift might be easier than say someone like Burnley this summer who have financial problems of their own because Norwich are, are they do know the championship. They, they know how to be successful in the, uh, in the, in, in the championship. So we'll, we'll see how that, how that transpires. But um, I think unless we've got anything else to add, Paddy, I think we're, we're probably there really. I mean, the, the one point that I did want to, maybe sign off on was um, there was a quote let me try and find exactly what it was but he was talking about uh, communication I'm just trying to find it ahead of me here we go he said uh, we communicate more than any other club in the country I believe in our model Um, we talk when things are difficult not only when when things are great Um, I've already had a lot of questions about whether that is our kind of experience of it so is 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 that a fair assessment? Like like we said at the top, I think it's very rare for you to find someone who is in such a senior position in a football club that's just gone down and you can directly look at Watford and Burnley. They haven't done this level of, of communication with fans after they've been relegated. So he probably does have a little bit of a point on, on, on that on that quote and that aspect of it. Well, absolutely. Up until the point where he's made it very clear he, he, he doesn't want to engage with us anymore. Um which is only obviously very recently in the scheme of his five years, is it, at the helm. Uh, up to that point, yeah, as I said earlier, you know, in my fairly lengthy experience now of being in and around this football club in terms of uh, covering them, um, he he is unique. And, and, his, and you know, the access, um, uh, although, you know, not to the extent of a certain individual who, who took to... Took to uh, up to the web to commit to a piece uh, which contained factual inaccuracies, but we don't need to go down that route again. Um, but uh, he was uh, very uh, accessible and amenable. Um, so yeah, he was he's absolutely spot on about that. But <laughs> filtered through uh, an interview which takes place with um, a individual who is there at the behest of the football club and uh, is edited by the football club. Uh, and he's put out on the football club's channels, which has no media, local or national present, doesn't doesn't really send the message that they're now being open and communicative uh, and transparent. So, um, you know, yes, up until about however many weeks ago it was now, no no question, everything he said was spot on. But uh, clearly, yeah, filtered through uh, the events of the last three or four weeks, and particularly now this interview and how it's been put together. Um that's a bit of a laughable comment, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, I do find the idea that we, as in me and you, could go after anyone is is quite a hilarious thought, to be, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, but but there we go. And, and I think it's also on that point, on on a more serious tone, it's worth saying that actually scrutinising someone is completely different to going for them. Uh, I don't I don't think those two things correlate at all. I think you can be constructive in your criticism without making it personal and hopefully um, everyone watching this and, and everyone who's consumed our content will agree that we we have been I, I think we we tend to strike critical but fair if, if that's what's needed at times it's it's always it's, it's our job to be skeptical about a lot of things and to ask questions and to find out what is fact and what isn't um, 
so this idea that maybe we're we're out to get people or there's an agenda or um we have a particular desire for something to happen or we're trying to get a particular message out there i just think that's 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 nonsense really um we uh, as as you said numerous times paddy exist as a communicational channel to supporters we act as a news source for people to find out about Norwich city football club every day um no matter what the season no matter what the month uh, whether they're playing or if they're not playing as uh, as they're not going to be for the next few months that is the purpose of our existence it's not it's not to go out after people it's not to really try and and, and hold a light to to or, or make things personal rather what we want to do is is ultimately ask the questions that fans want us asking and answering um but also to try and ensure that everything that we do say is is factual is accurate and i think I'm struggling to think of a time where that's not the case. I don't think it, it has not been the case at all this season. So that would be my closing remarks, really, in terms of this idea that we're out to get anyone or that there's an agenda from our perspective. It's it's just utter nonsense. Agreed. Well Good said. stuff. Good stuff. Okay, I think we'll we'll leave it there. Plenty more, of course, on all our Pinkin channels, Pinkin.com, uh, the Pinkin Plus app as well um, is, is there. We're going to have plenty more content throughout thank you very much for joining us thanks for all your comments and questions we, we probably haven't got around to as many questions as we would like but um we've had plenty of your comments reading through and we have read them uh, read them sorry and we will read them as well um and uh, and yeah it's always appreciated thank you for all your support this season as well uh, this week's podcast that you can go back and listen to that was recorded yesterday it obviously doesn't contain the the kind of Stuart Webber aspects of it because that was um, based in this. I think we'll probably put this out as a podcast as well. That seems to to make sense. So um, if you have a, if you've joined us late or you've joined halfway through and you want to watch the whole thing back, you'll be able to do that on our YouTube page uh, or on the social media channel that you're watching this on. There we go. Thank you very much. I'm sure the rest of Thursday is going to be lovely and quiet um, and we will uh, we'll catch you all on the other side. Thank you very much. Uh, enjoy your Norwich City free weekend. See you soon. <laughs>